Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. We're not talking about this person or that person. We're talking about every one of you, right? If the spirit of that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. That's not singling out anybody, is it? That's everybody here. And how powerful you might not you might forget the death and resurrection of Christ. Matthew 27, 52 to 54. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion that were with them watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, feared greatly saying, this, truly this was the son of God. The graves are open, the saints came out and walked around. That'd be a little trippy. You know? And it's sad to say that that, that story of that person went to hell and begging to tell his family, even if somebody came back from the dead, they wouldn't believe. And that's how hard-headed and morally declined people are in our generation. It's eat, drink, and be married, for tomorrow we die. We know how they party, right? And we know how the spirit of our generation is. And that's how strong it is. That even though somebody comes back from the dead, they won't change their lifestyle. Wow. See, it's sad. Many Christians don't know their history about powerful things. We can't discount how powerful the Welsh revival. You know the Welsh revival, right? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. You know the Welsh revival. Shame on the rest of you. See, because we've been raised in church and we've gone to dead churches. I, I was raised in a dead church. You know, my, my family was so religious, they, got, they, they couldn't see straight. In fact, when I got saved, they weren't too happy. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's how religious they were. But the Welsh revival, Evan Roberts, the preacher, and he wasn't even really a preacher. And that tells you that God will use anybody. Could use a donkey, anybody. He wasn't even... He didn't even really pastor a church, but God used him, and the whole country got saved, over 100,000 people, the Welsh Revival. And then that spread over, in 1906, William J. Seymour, one-eyed black man, go figure there. Oh, wow, he starts a church, and so from for nine years, it was Yazusa Street Revival. Who's read that one? A few more. Shame on the rest of you, because just YouTube it. And your faith will just be mind, it'll blow your mind. So just YouTube, and when they go through the stories of the fire, the miracle, and the healings, I mean, the fire of God was so prevalent that people outside the building thought the building was on fire. They called the fire department. They called the fire department because that's what they saw. Our average American church is clueless about that. Where'd my sermon go? Oh! The average American, lukewarm, apathetic, stagnant, 
pathetic church. Oh. But they got smoke meat, smoke smoke machines. They got light shows. And their music is so good, they perform for you. You can't even go worship. I've, I've been there. It's like a song and a half. Oh, it's good. Trust me. It's, I saw a guy playing two keyboards. He had one over here, one over here, and he was amazing. It was like, wow, this guy's. And they had the professional of professionals. But I never entered in. How sad is that? Go somewhere and you, and you can't enter in to worship? Wow, why'd they even go? They even got a Starbucks. Oh, that's a major plus. <laughs> major plus. Smith Wigglesworth. Do you know Smith Wigglesworth? Okay, shame on you. <laughs> you poor people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, you, you poor people got it. See, this sermon was done a couple days ago, but yesterday I had a 12-hour shift. They hired a limo for 12 hours. I sat in a parking lot for 10 hours, did nothing. But I added to the sermon. <laughs> so you poor people, I mean, my God, it's like three and a half hours long now. No, so there is a title. If you go to, if you go to YouTube or something, it'll be uh, under God's Generals. Okay, God's Generals, and they'll line it out. Smithsville was one of them. So, wait a minute, before I forget this. So, because we're going to get to this part about the Holy Spirit, right? We're going to explain it. So, his wife's on fire, and he's just a helper. He's a plumber. He's 49 or 50, and then he goes and gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Ministered with his wife forever, then went and got filled with the Holy Ghost, and then just did mighty things for God. So in 1939, he prophesied to Lester Summerall. And just because Lester Summerall met this man, and I met Lester Summerall, I said, oh, I just wanted to shake his hand because I, I, just, I just wanted to, you know what I mean? So Lester Summerall, he said, the, he told him about the final wave of God's glory. He says, after that, after the third wave, he started sobbing. I see the last day revival that's going to usher in precious fruit of the earth. It will be the greatest revival this world has ever seen. It's going to be a wave of gifts of the spirit. The ministry gifts will be flowing on this planet. I see hospitals being emptied out and they will bring sick to the churches where they will allow the Holy Ghost to move. That's pretty sad where he says, where they will allow the Holy Ghost to move. Well, what kind of statement is that? What church would not allow the Holy Ghost to move? You got to understand, on fire churches are never going to be your large. In some instances, you're not going to be your largest churches. And yet some of the largest churches in the world are Pentecostal. That's a fact. So here's Smith Wigglesworth. And he's talking about that. And absolutely right now, every on-fire ministry like ours, like here, and every other name of, who knows, there's many different names of churches out there that are on fire for God, okay? Praise Chapel, just one of them. Raise up disciples, plant churches, we're just one of them. They're waiting for a great wave of revival, See, you don't know the wave of revival because I'm so much older than you. And I've been saved like 49,000 years, but whatever. Anyway, I got saved in 1967, okay? Anyway, I'm feeling pretty good. But anyway, uh, you don't know that wave of revival. It was in the 60s. And when the devil has a plan 
God has a bigger and better plan to counter it. So in the 60s, what you don't know, you weren't born yet, is there was the hippies, free love, sex, drugs, rock and roll. You had the Beatles bringing in transcendental meditation and all the Eastern religions. And, and you might not remember that, but all that stuff was coming through. So as that's coming through in the 60s, they had Woodstock in 1960-something. As that's going to start, God's going to start a revival. David Wilkerson, starting in New York and starting Teen Challenge, and he started that, and he sent Sonny Argonzoni, one of his guys, heroin addict got saved, sent him to L.A., started the minister. And an amazing thing is, is David Wilkerson is stuck in a certain spot in his type of, okay, we got Teen Challenge going, blah, 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 and so Sonny Argonzoni calls him, says, you know, all these people off the street, prostitutes and drug addicts are getting saved, and the problem was is the main street Mainstream churches were not accepting these people. They didn't dress right. They had long hair. And God only knows they had tattoos. God, why they let you in, Victor? I have no, I mean, my Lord. Wow. So they weren't accepting. Do you understand? And we're talking about churches that used to be on fire. You know, Assembly Gods and Methodists and others used to be on fire for God. Now they're not accepting this. Okay, so you got these powerful ministries. So Sonny Arizona started Victory Outreach, and they're just like us, raising disciples and planting churches. This, it's the same formula because it's all about the harvest and not programs. Programs are good, but you can't get off the main theme of what Jesus said. The main theme is the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. So... You just don't, if you don't get away from that, then you're good. But if you get off on the programs and works and other things, well, then it, it gets a little jacked up. Even Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel, beautiful thing in the 70s. You can't even remember what they said to Pastor Chuck Smith. All the four-square gospel people have been going there for years. And they said, Pastor Chuck, these hippies are coming in, and, you know, we just put in new chairs and new carpet. You know, so they're a little dirty. They don't smell that good. And we get all this new stuff. He goes, what are we going to do? He says, all these hippies are coming in, you know, and, and Chuck Smith just sees people getting saved. Religious people, I don't know what they see. So that's all he sees. So he says, well, get rid of the carpet and the pews then. Okay? That would be another thing. You go back to Azusa Street Revival in a, in a, in a building that, like sat 300 people, and so they had the, the old nail pails with, uh, you know, two-by-twelves or whatever stretched across them as their seats, and no air conditioning. Oh, how many average, lukewarm, stagnant Christians would go to that church? No air conditioning and sitting on, you know, these wooden things here? So that's what Chuck Smith said. And so it was such a powerful time. So I'm relating to you what happened. This was a great wave of revival, okay? And it stretched many years. And what the church did not have at that time is they did not have discipleship. Like, like Praise Chapel and other ministries raising up ministries, okay, within themselves, okay? Because before that, if you're on fire for God and want to do something, you got to go to Bible school. And that's all they knew. That's all they knew is send you off to Bible school. So now we had all the time of good, of, of, they had good discipleship, and that is what we really learned. 
I'll never forget the most powerful thing that happened. I was at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. And see, when God moves, it doesn't matter what night it is. Okay? It was a Monday night Bible study. Just a Monday night Bible study. And this young preacher, I don't, I don't know if he's famous. He just, had, he just had Levi's and a T-shirt on. He had long hair. His name was Greg Laurie. You know, just look, just look like your average hippie. And he's doing the Bible study on a Monday night. And so, but then he stops. He comes to this side. I'll never forget. He comes to this side of the pulpit. He goes, he goes, I, I just had this feeling that God wants to start healing people. And <laughs> I just got hit by a car. My lower back was jacked up. And it's not like we all came up and got prayed for just right in our seats. People got healed. You can't put God in a box like, oh, wow, everybody come up forward and lay hands on him. No, I was right there in my seat, and the Spirit of God went through me three times. I'll never forget it. And so when I've been and gone to a dead American church that won't ever see the gifts, the, the, they say they believe in the Holy Spirit, and that's what bothers me. Oh, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, there's got to be evidence to the fact. There has to be. You've got to see something like if you believe, there's got to be evidence, something. You've got to be able to say that something happens. See, how leadership goes is how we go. No, Pastor Art's on fire. Amen. If there's no fire behind here, then what do you expect to happen out here? And so the state of the American church is just compromise. It's, it's unbelievable the compromise that they've gone through. Revelations 3, 1 through 3. So you have to take this in context that in Revelations 2 and 3, God speaks to seven of his churches, seven of his churches, not off-the-wall churches, not cults, not. He's speaking to his church, his churches, his seven churches, and five out of seven are rebuked and told to repent. So if I say I'm ranting, oh, God's already done it. He's already ranted. Five, does that, those aren't good percentages, are they? Five out of seven, and he tells them to repent? Sexual sins and this and that. I mean, it's just, it's just sad. Five out of seven. So to Sardis in Revelations 3, 1 through 3, unto the angel of the church in Sardis, he writes, These things saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. They're doing something. Do you understand? He's telling that church, I know your works. And you have a name that you live, but you're dead. See, that doesn't make sense. You're going to a church that's doing works. You're going somewhere where they're doing something. And you say it's alive, but then God says you're dead. You could come to a Holy Ghost revival Pentecostal church like this, and you sit there and do nothing with Christ, you're dead too. There's dead people that go to a uh, lively church because they simply have not submitted to the will of God. I don't care where you sit under the greatest of preachers. You sit there obstinate and say, no, I'm going to do it my way. I'm just going to, I go to a great church, I'm happy. But to not be in the will of God, that's a choice that people make. But it's even harder for these people that have leadership that don't ever challenge. So you're going to be challenged when you come here. 
When you don't like the challenge, there's a, there's a million churches you can go to, right? You'll never be challenged. Where would you and I be without conviction? Where would we be? So, I know your works. You have a name and you live, but you're dead. But now there's hope here. He's talking, okay, they're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Wow. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, that, how, that you received and heard and hold fast and repent. If, therefore, you won't watch, I will come as a thief in the night. And that hour you won't expect. Here's how the message says it. Where'd it go? To the, to the church in Sardis, the angel writes, the one holding the seven spirits of God in one hand. I see right through your work. The average American Christian, I see right through your life. That's what he's saying. I see right through, but I, he's saying, I see right through your life. You have a reputation for vigor and zest, but you're dead. And he said, stone dead. Up on your feet, take a breath. Maybe there's life in you yet. But I wouldn't know it by looking at your busy work. So you're busy, but are you doing the will of God? And that goes to us. These poor people sitting in a dead church, they don't, they don't really know. Because they're not challenged and they don't hear. I'll never forget, we're at the Praise Chapel Conference like four, five, six years ago in, in L.A. And... The pastor is sharing, I forget his name, the pastor from China told the story of a, a big famous pastor, a Chinese pastor comes over and somebody gets a hold of him and he takes him to the mega churches, takes him to all the big churches around and, and after he visits them, the guy asked the pastor from China, what do you think of the American church? And he says, I am, I'm so amazed that you get so much done without God. But they have that music. They got the smoke machines. They got the lights. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, we can come to, we're a small church, but you feel the presence of God, right? And you're going to be challenged. Might not like me, but that's okay. You'll be challenged. <laughs> Here another version says, your condition is desperate. Think of the gift you once had and what you have heard. Grasp it again, turn back to God. If you pull back the covers over your head and sleep on, oblivious to God. See, there's people who go to church that are oblivious about the will of God. Again, you just don't come here and fill a seat. There's some kind of ministry. There's something. I pray just have the ministry of giving. I like that. I'm blessed. I give. That's good. <laughs> I'll never forget. I told the pastor one time when I was off in another land, and I was the head usher. And I already pastored a church and did all that, you know, but I'm ushering now. And uh, I like, I'm a good usher. I liked it. He goes, are you going to pastor church? Are you going to preach again? I go, oh, no. Nope. Not the kid. 
I like this spot right here. I like shaking hands. I like greeting people. But to pastor a church and to do that, I, you know, I wouldn't, wor- I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. So, no, just no. But anyway, <laughs> pastoring a church is tough now, you know. Okay. But anyway. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So, <laughs> but, so, you know, but that's, but as soon as I said that, God had another plan. At that point, we lost everything, right? I lost the house. <laughs> oh, amen. Let me finish this up. He says, and this is back to Sardis. You still have a few followers of Jesus and Sardis who haven't ruined themselves, wallowing in the muck of the world's ways. See, when you're not in the will of God, you'll just become a worldly Christian. And a worldly Christian will not have impact because they'll care more about their 401k and other things than, and that's what you, I, you, I've been to a country club church. They talk about their fishing trips and their hunting and their guns and their 401ks, but not about revival, about people getting saved. Like, gee, you know, I was at work the other day and, and somebody inquired about Jesus and, and, you know, on Facebook, what, a pastor was at Home Depot and the guy helped him get his appliance into his truck and they talked and he led him to Christ right there. See, your average American Christian does not think of those things. I know a guy who went jogging one time, and he said as he's jogging around, he comes up to seven, um, seven guys, and they're just hanging out by their cars, and he talks to them a little bit, and he says, do you want to ask Jesus in your heart right now? And lead seven people to Christ. But your average American churchgoer doesn't even think about those stuff. It's not even on their radar. And I'm not saying I, there's, see, I don't do this all the time. I don't like... Everything, oh, got to, you know, run around and got to lead somebody to Christ. Got to No, there's opni, and you know, there's divine appointments and divine timing. I am talking about those times. Those are divine appointments and that divine timing that, that God opens up, that's where you got to seize it. And a, a Christian who's on, who's on fire is going to recognize it, going to see that time, and they're going to jump on it. That's awesome. The guy in Home Depot got saved in the parking lot. Yeah, don't wait to come to church to get saved. Oh, Lord. Get saved in the aisle at Vaughn's or something, you know. I mean, you know. You know. When I, when I, now, when I pray with somebody abroad, I just say, my simple, yeah, Walmart's good. So, anyway, when I pray with somebody and I'm not, and they live somewhere else, I say, you just got to find a, a good on-fire church. That's it. End of story. Be faithful, go to a non-fire church, and you're good. You're going to grow. And that's all I have to say. I can't tell them what name to go to because there's many names. There's, there's Green Light. There's Greenhouse. There's, there's so many different names of churches. You know what I mean? So I don't know. They just got to find one. Lukewarmness is so prevalent in the American church, prevalent meaning widespread and general acceptance. Isn't that sad? So 2 Timothy 4 says, I charge you, here's the Apostle Paul, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come will they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap themselves teachers having itching ears. And that scripture right there is more, is so prevalent in our generation on TV. It's just, it's mind-blowing. Because the American church 
it, it's all about you becoming a better you. I get that. As we're faithful to God, we are becoming better, amen? That, that's, I mean, it is all, but they just focus on that. What about God's part? Now, now that you're a better you, what are you going to do in the kingdom of God? It's not just all about you. And that's where their focus just loses it. See, the American church, they just, I can know guys on TV, and I'll tell my wife they're some compromising Yahoo, and then I'll tell my wife, you know, everything he just said was right. He just didn't turn the page. That's all. They're on TV. And, oh, I mean, I love it. Everything he said was right, but you have to turn the page. People that get married, they know this. Getting married is awesome. Oh, we're married. La, 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 la. Yeah, a few weeks later, a few months later, a couple of years. Yeah, the page turns. <laughs> well, that... Is this not reality? See, us married guys know because men were all jerks and we all miss it. We just, ladies were, you know. And what do our wives tell us? No, seriously, what do our wives tell us? They just say, remember when? She wants to turn back the page. Right? If my wife came up and finished the sermon, well, we'd be here a long time. <laughs> but you, can you see the difference on turning the page? And the wives say, let's turn back the page. Re remember, it was, it was just me and you, baby. Remember back in the day? It was just me and you, hand in hand. The boys would call up. Hey, Joe, you want to you wanna go do this? Oh, no, it's me and Maria. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, me and Maria. We, oh, no, no, no. It's just me and her. Yeah, shine you guys on. And after you're married... The boys call up. It's even your anniversary night or whatever. And the boys call up. You know that UFC, UFC fight tonight. You're going to come over? Yeah. And then the guy looks at his wife. Oh, honey, I, can we celebrate it tomorrow? Because all the guys are having the UFC. And men do that because we're just ignorant. Seriously. Yeah. Howard. Egotistical, self-centered idiots. And God has to work on us. Basically, boy, Jesus preached some rough sermons. So Jesus preached on honey and money and hell. Those are two topic, topic, topics he, 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 uh, he preached on. I can't stand it when I've turned on the TV. And they preach the money, the money, and plant your seed and plant your seed. I get it. I get it. Yeah, you plant your seed, but it's always in their ministry. And these guys, I feel sorry for them. Their budgets get up to $5 million a year. I get it. They're begging for money, and that's buried. Where it went wrong, I don't know. And you do plant your seed in the local church where you go. You don't choose where you tithe. You tithe where you eat. Here's Jesus. John chapter 5, he finds a paraplegic, says to him, he says, you're made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Well, Sunday morning I go and Jesus preaches that. Now that you're saved, go and sin no more, lest the worst. That's a pretty rough sermon. 
There's not a lot of grace in there. <laughs> He's not, oh, don't worry. If you can go on, you know, do this, it's, it's, it's all forgiven. There's grace. And I know. But he said, no, now that you're made whole, go and sin no more. See, the people in the American church have forgotten how devastating sin is. I mean, it's, in the Old Testament, it, it, was, it was like a cancer. It was leprosy. It's going to destroy your whole body, mind, soul, and body. I mean, would, brother, if you cheated on your wife, would you feel bad? Really? You'd feel bad. You'd feel bad. There's people that sit in church that cheat on God every day. They don't feel bad. They're just doing their own thing because they refuse to submit to the will of God. That's why this sermon, it's on you. It's on you this morning. It, it's on you. Another version says, a little later, Jesus found him in the temple. And this is the guy that was laying on the, he's paraplegic and got, and he, and he raised up, right? He says, you look, one, Jesus says, you look wonderful. You're well. Don't return to a sinning life or something worse might happen. It's just ignorant to return to that sinning life. See, your average American Christian likes church, likes the spirit of God, likes Likes what God is doing and everything, but they like their pet sins. Don't take away my Game of Thrones. I heard there's soft porn on that. I wanted to watch it one time. And then you got the women and the breasts and everything hanging out, and, you know, it's just not good, right? But the average American Christian, don't take my Game of Thrones. I like that series. I've been watching that forever. And we turn on something we want to watch, and then all of a sudden, here it comes. I mean, there's just so much garbage. They throw it in like crazy. Yeah, they like their soft porn. Don't, don't, don't touch that. They like their alcohol just a little bit. They're not alcoholics anymore. They got Jack and Captain Morgan, and they're so cool, right? Captain Morgan. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. That's just such an awesome testimony for the kids and grandkids coming over to see. Wow, I'm really proud of you. Wow, you got it all lined out there, the fancy glasses, and your kids and grandkids get to see that. Knock yourself out. I've been to them country club churches and the houses, and, and one guy just says, well, I just hide it. I just don't let them see it. Knock yourself out on that one, too. I mean, Seriously. I was researching what alcohol has done. Every 52 minutes, every, somebody dies in a uh, DUI car crash. It's like 28 people a day, every 52 minutes. 261 people die from alcohol-related things every day. You know, cirrhosis of the liver and diseases and everything like that. You know, so I, I just don't see the good of alcohol. If you can tell me the good of alcohol, and then you can't, there, there's no statistic on how that has led to domestic violence. Right? Because somebody gets enraged, gets out of whack, and, you know, but your average American Christian, alcohol's okay. Wow. And the, uh, <laughs> the thing is, is over the, what's, the, what's it on the sign on the, on the, on the uh, liquor store? Wine and spirits. Wow. Wine and spirits. Really? What kind of spirits do you think? Yeah, well, I'll leave that up to you. Here's another. Here's the Apostle Paul again. 
emphasize, continue teaching these things, warning people in God's presence not to argue about words. It doesn't help anyone. It ruins those who listen. Make every effort to give yourself to God as the kind of person he will approve. Well, that's to you and I this morning. This is the Apostle Paul talking. That God would approve. Be a worker who's not ashamed, who uses, who uses the true teaching in the right way. Stay away from foolish, useless talk because that will lead people further away from God. Their evil teaching will spread like a sickness inside the body. Like that, like the, the greasy grace. Oh, you're okay. It doesn't matter. God loves you. You don't ever have to change. It's not a license to sin. The grace of God is not a license to sin. Oh, now that I'm saved, it's just, it doesn't matter because I'm forgiven. If you think that's a license to sin, and well, n- knock yourself out. That's your choice. But here's what the Apostle Paul's saying. Their evil teaching will spread like sickness inside the body. They have left the true teaching, saying that rising from the dead has already taken place, so they are destroying the faith of some people. Can you imagine this? Religious people destroying the faith of some people. Well, how could that happen? How could you be ministering and destroying the faith of some people? That makes no sense. He says here, but God's strong foundation continues to stand. These words are written on a seal. The Lord knows who belong to him. And everyone who wants to belong to the Lord must stop doing wrong. King James Version says, depart from iniquity. How many people want leprosy? I don't want leprosy. I, I don't want this infection to my limbs fall off, my fingers fall off. I mean, anybody want leprosy? Well, then you don't want sin. You stand and fight against it. You just stand and fight every day. The Bible talks about those thoughts that coming in. says, edit. Let the Holy Ghost grab that thought before it enters in. And that's a constant fight in everything that we see and do. It's a constant Grab it. What's more important, that thought, that lustful thought or whatever kind of thought, or the blessing of God and the will of God for your life? The other one's not worth it because it, 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 won't, it won't last long. It won't. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. That's powerful. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, follow the pattern of true teachings that you've heard from me in faith and love. See, true teachings, he's saying, in truth and love, I give you this, which are in Christ Jesus. Protect the truth that you were given. Protect it with the help of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. I mean, that, 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 this is a responsibility. Becoming a disciple of Christ is responsibility. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and preach the gospel and and have happy Christians come to church and drink Starbucks. He said make disciples, right? A little bit tougher. I mean, the, the lifestyle. And yeah, we blow it, we did this, we did, you know, the grace of God. We really, people, when we when we sin and then just repent. We're just so thankful for the grace of God. Amen? We're not just abusing it. We are so thankful for the grace of God. 
See, to not preach the full gospel and the full truth only means that people going to church will remain in chains. Is that the will of God? Can you imagine if, if, if people in sin on purpose and nothing to do with the will of God and you can see just chains around them? Is that the will of God to be in chains? And you know it's not, right? If there's something in your life that is not right, well, we have an altar. Pastor our priest, come to the altar. You will constantly come to the altar because those chains don't believe on, don't belong on you. They don't. Compromise. It's, it's hurt the church. See, back in the late 80s, you don't know. So there's a great revival, and things are happening, but the churches in the 80s, late 70s, 80s, started to compromise. They won't pull altar calls anymore. And I go, why would you change what Jesus, who called everybody publicly, and Billy Graham, remember the, the, the revivals of Billy Graham? Come on down. Why would you change what Jesus and Billy Graham did? Just explain that to me. Because I remember it was like early 1980s. See, I told you I, I continued this sermon, and I wrote it real long, so I set my alarm clock. Yeah, I know. I felt sorry for you people, man. I had that 12 hours in that parking lot. I was just like, oh, Lord, these poor people. These poor people. Where was I? Who knows where I was at? Yeah, don't, don't change what he did. Help me understand. Why would you change what he did? So I remember they said, well, just if you want to get saved, squeeze the hand of the person next to you. Yeah, Victor, yeah, it was early 80s, right? And they just, and at the end of a powerful service, yeah, if you want to get saved, we got this room back here. And when we're all packed up, you can go sneak off. And really? The most powerful thing is to come down front. Xavier knows this. Oh, man. They'd be doing that song. And we go to the left, then we go to the left, then we go to. And boy, I grabbed Xavier and I said, We're going down. He goes, No. And I just dragged him. I would just drag him. Because it's it's weird up here. Right? Well, I'll see. <laughs> it's just weird. But I wanted to encourage him. And he broke down like a little puppy. Okay, I'll go. Okay, big puppy. Little puppy, big puppy. I got I got I just got to end with um, the biggest miss with the American church is the Holy Spirit, okay? Yeah, we're going to we're going to wrap this up. Biggest the biggest Acts chapter 8, I'm going to I'm going to line this out real quick. Now when the apostles which were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Okay, if you read the story, wait a minute, let me let me back up. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Okay, do you understand? They received the word of God and were baptized. Scott, you were baptized, right? Okay. Stay with me here. The American church will not acknowledge this. They got saved and were baptized. But now we go to when the apostles in Jerusalem heard Samaria had received the word of God. They sent Peter and John who then were come down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet 
He, the Holy Spirit, was fallen on none of them. They were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you staying with me on theology here? This is simple theology. They got saved and were baptized, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. In Acts chapter 19, you know the Apostle Paul, he finds certain disciples in Ephesus, and he asked them, first thing he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they go, we haven't heard there be any Holy Ghost. Just John's baptism, that's all we know. Repent and be baptized, that's all we know. And then the Apostle Paul told them about the Holy Spirit. He prayed for them, laid hands on them, and they were all filled. Here's another thing. They were all filled. See, the American church just freaks out on this speaking in tongues thing. That's all they freak out. And in 1 Corinthians 14, they, they, when I say this, they go, oh, you're cherry picking. Well, no, the Apostle Paul, he's laying it all out. When you speak in tongues and prophesy, but then it says specifically, he that speaks an unknown tongue speaks to God. He that speaks an unknown tongue edifies himself, right? Oh, you cherry-picked that. No, God said that. The Corinthians church was sinning worse than the sinners, right? They, had, they were the Las Vegas. They, they were a port city. They were like, they were the Las Vegas at that time. Great religion. The temple prostitutes went down and slept with guys. What a great religion that was. Wow. That's what men think. But here it is. So they all get filled, you know, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. I lost my train of thought. That's okay. I do that. See, here's the saddest thing. They only preach and teach what they know and how they've been taught. I was raised the Methodist. This is what I believe. I was raised the Baptist. This is how I believe. Of course, the Methodists were a Holy Ghost church at one time. But my Baptist brother says, once you got saved and Jesus came in your heart, that spiritual transformation is a done deal. That's not what it says in Acts chapter 8. And, and they got doctorates and, the, and theology and, oh, you're cherry picking. It says they, they received, there was a great revival, but they had not received the Holy Spirit yet. So it'd be, even, it'd be even more tragic. You come into a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and, you're, not, and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit yet. Going back to the speaking in tongues thing. It's just... That's my prayer language, okay? All right, just think about that. It adds to my prayer life. Except the other day, I'm driving down. I'm a driver for a living. I, I drive a limo for a living. I'm going down the freeway, and I see this motorcyclist. When you talk about in and out of traffic and weaving around, as soon as I sell that, I go, I mean, I freaked out. I just started speaking in tongues. I mean, this guy's going to get killed at any second right in front of me. I've never seen somebody doing those kind of moves. It's your prayer language. I pray in English. I sing. I, I speak in tongues. I do whatever. It just mixes all in. That's all it does. Because, again, that's what it says. You speak in tongues, you speak to God. You speak in tongues to God, you edify yourself. And that is your prayer life. But then, the, the, the other thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit is just the gifts just keep on giving. You're the one who's more on fire. Oh, you're sick. I, I prayed for a guy the other day right in the office. He had something hurt. Let's pray for you. Lord, in my name is Jesus. Heal my brother. In front of everybody, right, right in the office. Well, what the heck? If I wait for him to come to church, he might die. <laughs> you know, but I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? But this is what that gift does. It just goes on. But they only freak out about the speaking in tongues. That is it. Then they show the scripture where tongues will cease. 
Knowledge will cease. Well, knowledge hasn't ceased yet. Xavier is so much smarter than he was four years ago. I mean, his knowledge is increasing. So knowledge has not ceased. So again, the most important thing about the sermon is what leadership has done in the American church. We know what leadership does here. But you need that prayer life. You, you need that prayer life. I mean, because I'm going to end with this. And I'm really going to end. Robert Morris pastors the Gateway Church in Texas, 20,000 people. He writes a series about, and the title of the book, it's the, most, it's the most pathetic title about the American church. The title is the book, um, The God I Never Knew. So he was raised in a Christian church, and now he has to talk about the God I never knew. The God I never knew. Does that make any sense? I need three people real quick. Josh, Scott. Come here, picture, come here, quick, 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 quick. And, and this is just, it's the God I never knew, and he went to a Christian church forever. Man, we're moving fast. You're going to be God the Father. We're just, <laughs> no, up here, turn around, up here, right here. Yeah, we'll put you in the middle. So you, you got to understand that the American church has no visual, because we're visual, right? So we have a vision of God the Father. What, he's... He's in the throne. It's, it's white and white long hair flowing, right? That's what we think of, right? God the Father. Now, the Bible says that the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Three persons in one. But see, the American church doesn't have a vision for that because it is not explained to them. But now, God the Father, we got a visual. God the Son, we have a visual. But God the, the American church... Well, he, God, the, God the Holy, he's a little freaky. He, he's weird. The American church is telling people, because of speaking in tongues and miracles, God the Holy, you're, you're just a little weird. But that's okay. We got two out of three. And this is why people suffer, because God's in heaven. Jesus, where are you at? But you're in heaven. Yeah. See, only the Holy Spirit is omnipresent everywhere. And Jesus, Acts chapter 1, go through it. His, his last words before he ascended is, you're going to receive power when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. I told a religious guy that. Baptized in the Holy Ghost. Oh, no, there's only one baptism. There's one faith, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism. I know that's in the Bible. You're going to have to take it up with Jesus because he said you'll be baptized in the Holy Ghost. So take it up with him. You got doctrines. You got theology. You got Bible degrees. I get it. And that's the only comeback he had. And yet people need God, the Holy Spirit, because you guys are gone. You guys are, I mean, you're, you're in heaven. You're preparing, you're preparing, uh, yeah, a place in heaven. You're doing all that. And now, God, the Holy Spirit, that's it. This is what you have, is God, the Holy Spirit. And that is it. That's it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank the Word of God. We thank the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, 